0: And
1: if they didn't comply, he threatened to harm, kill family members, school members,
0: anyone they knew, to convince them to comply. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. For years, a man known only by online aliases most notably the name Brian Kill, terrorized an Indiana community.
1: He contacted them saying he wanted sexually explicit pictures of them. If they refused, he threatened to put pictures he already had online, harm them, their families, and their friends.
0: And because of the lengths he went to, to mask his computer's IP address, investigators called the search for his true identity the modern equivalent of looking for a needle in a haystack. But in 2017, they found the needle. And in March of this year, he was sentenced in federal court.
2: The cyber terrorist known as Brian Kill on Facebook is sentenced today at the Birchby Federal Courthouse
0: in downtown Indianapolis. Rich Van Wyk has been a reporter with WTHR in Indianapolis for around four decades. And Rich, I have to imagine this is one of the more upsetting stories you've ever covered in that time.
1: In 40 years of covering criminal trials and sentencing, the testimony we heard from these victims was the most riveting, sickening, disturbing, and having among the greatest emotional impacts I've ever seen in you know, 43 years of covering news.
0: And the news here, of course, is that there's finally been some resolution in this case. We just saw uh, the sentencing of, of the person convicted here. But the case begins with... Someone going by a false name online, particularly on Facebook, who at least as far back as 2012, begins terrorizing students at a high school in Indiana. Walk us through what happened.
1: Well, first of all, you have to know the guy, Buster Hernandez. He had more than a dozen aliases. He's best known as Brian Kill, K-I-L, only one L to distinguish himself. He's 30 years old. He's from Bakersfield, California. Doesn't appear as if he worked a day in his life, but he had exceptional computer skills that allowed him to evade state police, local police, even FBI and federal authorities for at least five years. He pled guilty to 41 criminal charges, child pornography, the production, the dissemination of it, extortion, witness tampering, sex extortion, threats to kill, kidnap, and injure. Uh, he, as I mentioned, he 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 pled guilty to this. For five years, he was manipulating, dominating. From evidence, relief, expert testimony in court, he's sadistic, a psychopath, a psychopath, unlikely to change. There's no known treatment for him. He was sentenced to 75 years in federal prison. The judge doing the sentencing figured out that he's going to be in prison at least until he's in his late 80s.
0: And it's all pretty sickening, frankly, and we really don't need to get into too much detail. But can you tell me a little bit about what kinds of threats Buster Hernandez, who again is going by this name, Brian Kill, what kinds of threats he's making against these kids, some as young as 12, as I understand it.
1: He surfs social media, principally Facebook and other social media. He identifies people. He researches those people, these young girls, who they are, what they like, where they go to school, what they do, who their friends are, who their relatives are, telephone numbers of their house, really gets to know these people. He would then reach out to them on social media and convince them or maybe find sexually explicit photographs of them online, convince them that he had them. And he would threaten to make them public unless he did certain things sent him certain videos of them in very disturbing situations, sexually disturbing situations.
2: Between 2012 and August 3rd of 2017, from his home in Bakersfield, California, the defendant extorted hundreds of victims to produce and to send to him sexually explicit videos and pictures of themselves. The defendant's victims typically ranged between the ages of 12 and 15. The defendant extorted them by either falsely claiming he already had compromising photos of them and threatening to publish them, or by threatening to murder, rape, or kidnap them or their families.
1: If they did not comply and did not follow his instructions, he called them assignments, He wanted certain videos of them doing certain things dressed in a certain way in a certain environment and certain expressions on their faces. If they didn't do it right, they had to do it again. And if they didn't comply, he threatened to harm, kill family members, school members, anyone they knew to convince them to comply.
2: The defendant was unrelenting. The cycle was endless. And in many cases, the abuse went on for years. This phenomena is known as sextortion.
1: He actually did mathematical analysis to find out what ploys work the best to get them to comply. And this went on for at least five years, 100 victims, perhaps several hundred. Federal authorities are still trying to figure it out.
0: Well, and because this is happening so frequently, over the years then, this person who at the time was known only by this moniker, Brian Kill. It sounds like he becomes something of a boogeyman in in the Plainfield and Danville areas. Well, what happened was
1: in 2015, parents and other people found out about the victimization of a 12-year-old girl.
3: Minor victim one's mother, she's identified in the superseding indictment as victim seven, uh, took possession of her phone. Um, She was... Uh, looking at her phone, looking at dance videos, and noticed a video that her daughter, her teenage daughter, had created as a result of his force and coercion. And she told uh, Mr. Hernandez, who went by an alias, of course, that she was going to call the police. And when she did that, he escalated immediately to threatening to bomb Minor Victim 1's high school, which was Plainfield High School.
1: And this brought Brian Kill... And his other dozen or so aliases, the attention of local authorities, county authorities, state authorities, and eventually the FBI.
3: And then when he noticed all of the notoriety and acknowledgement he was receiving, and he even admitted to this to his uh, psychologist, Dr. Fabian, he said that that thrilled and gratified him. And one of the things that we know about him is he enjoyed taunting law enforcement. He loved the attention, which sets him apart from other sextortionists who don't want to attract the attention of law enforcement. He wanted the opposite. So when he saw how much attention he got from threatening to bomb Plainfield High School, kill first responders, students, and parents, he then threatened to bomb Danville High School, and then Walmart, and then the shops of Harry Crossing.
1: He said to this young girl, her family and authorities, that he had pipe bombs, handguns, an assault-like rifle. He was going to attack the high school in Plainfield, the high school in Danville, and some other areas. He threatened the school principal he threatened the police officers working the case vowing he would never get caught
0: so the threats it sounds like turned from threatening individual students to threatening schools and and even businesses and as i understand it at one point these threats even shut down an entire school for a day right it shut
1: down school it limited activities Uh, At the school, there was a great deal of fear and consternation among parents and school officials as to what to do, what needed to be done to keep kids safe. The uh, U.S. district, the U.S. attorney prosecuting the case uh, basically said, you know, he brought a community to its knees, Uh, but at the same time, he brought attention to himself. He was operating completely under the radar, apparently, of all authorities until this happened. Uh, The testimony from some of these victims in court uh, was the fact that um, she read about this in the newspaper or saw it on television and immediately thought, that's what's happening to me. This is the same guy.
0: You mentioned that this was a pretty complex operation and that he was able to go under the radar for such a long time. How was Buster Hernandez able to hide his real identity for About five years. At least five years. At least five years.
1: Very sophisticated. He had remarkable computer skills for a man that supposedly never worked a day in his life. This was his, according to investigators, his full-time job. He used some commonly used software on the internet that allowed his communications to bounce from one computer to another computer to another computer all the way around the world.
0: This was a sophisticated dark web
1: which allowed him to mask his ip address he uh, thought uh, he could not be found
2: and in the cyber world uh, this was the modern equivalent of looking for a needle in a haystack
1: for 18 months federal authorities could not identify who he was or where he was but he made a mistake he was careless he used his computer And at one time, federal authorities had his true IP address, the address for his computer, where it was and what was going on. But they didn't have enough good evidence. So they went to a former victim, not a former victim, a victim who he had stopped terrorizing, and asked her to send him a video declaring her independence, how she wasn't afraid of him anymore. And they installed what's called a NIT, a Network Investigating Technique. It's like a bug. He downloaded that video, in that video was a bug, and it immediately identified the true identity of that computer, where it was. And the FBI and other agencies started making surveillance, not only of the computer, but actually put a camera on a utility pole outside Hernandez's house to make sure that he was home or he was not home when this activity was occurring or not occurring. And that was what eventually brought him down.
0: All of this leads up to the identification of Buster Hernandez and his arrest in 2017. What all is Hernandez ultimately charged with? And what do investigators say about the extent of their allegations at that point?
1: Well, he's charged with production dissemination of child pornography, extortion... Witness tampering, threats to kill, kidnap, and injure. Uh, there's 41 separate crimes. I don't, I, I can't recite every every one of them. I don't have them in front of me. Uh, but they truly believe that there are victims out there that have been terrorized for years and out of fear have remained silent, and they're trying to reach out to them. You know, he was called a sexual terrorist by the prosecuting attorney, highly sophisticated and criminal. Um, One of the more telling quotes from Tiffany Preston, the assistant US attorney, it's as if he reached through their telephones and computers and raped them. Uh, the, The impact it has on these women's lives is going to stick with them all their lives. This man tortured me for five years. I said, victim number two. Victim number three, I was not a person. I was like property to serve him. I wanted to die. I wanted to escape. Was my only way out. Uh, thankfully for everybody, uh, it was not her only way out. Federal authorities were able to gather enough evidence. Uh, it's it's important to note that they tried to get in his computers that he had in his house and could not get through the way he had the security he had set up. Um, according to what we heard in court, he actually cooperated with investigators. Uh, and opened up his computer for them to help him find what they need. But this is still an ongoing investigation.
0: This is all taking place over the course of multiple years, and there ends up being a trial date set for early 2020, but that trial doesn't end up happening, right?
1: That's right. They were ready to go to trial. And the judge, Tanya Walton Pratt, said uh, just on the eve of this um, of his trial, he elected to plead guilty to all the charges against them. They were, I think, were surprised. I think prosecutors were surprised, um, but it it uh, fast-forwarded, so to speak, justice. And that was a uh, he he received some credit during the sentencing part of the of uh, the hearing as a mitigating circumstances for his um, confession to the crimes, pleading guilty and also the fact that he apologized to his victims.
0: You've talked about that sentencing hearing a little bit that just happened in early March of this year, of 2021. And you were actually there that day. First off, what sentence does Hernandez ultimately receive? And what was it like to be in court that day? What can you tell me about it?
1: Prosecutors and apparently victims were hoping for a life sentence. They thought it qualified for a life sentence. Hernandez's attorney argued for a much lighter crime. I believe he was arguing for something, lighter punishment, rather. I believe, as my memory serves me correct, he was uh, talking something in the in the 30-year range. 75 years in prison, 75 plus 30, that's how old he is, puts him in prison to 105. But under, um, the federal government doesn't call it this, but in, the, in, in states they have something called good time. You behave yourself. You perform certain tasks. You make certain uh, goals in prison, and metrics, and that that is really, that is reduced. Uh, the judge believes that even under the best of circumstances, he's going to be in prison until his late eighties. Um, he made a um, a statement of apology to his victims who were in court, and it was the only time you ever saw any real emotion. Granted, he's wearing a face mask, and we're watching this socially distant from another room on a, a large television screen. And he physically turned himself away from the way he had been looking, uh, which indicated to me he was turning away from the victims as they testified. Um, he, he told the, uh, the court uh, when he made his apology, it's awful, it's awful, I feel terrible. Uh, reading the texts, I can't believe I did it. Uh, they, the women who testified were immensely courageous. Um, they, they talked about, for lack of a better word, the hell they had been through. Uh, some of them cried. Some of them were um, as tough as tungsten or steel. They were pretty amazing young women. Several of those victims testified in court. One told the judge. I begged and cried to make him stop. Another one saying, "The man terrorized me for five years." And others said, "I did what I had to do to survive."
0: Unfortunately, one of the awful realities that we're left with, as we did touch on a little bit, is that authorities don't think that they've uncovered the extent of this man's crimes. I
3: believe there are more victims that
0: don't know they were
3: victims. We we know there are. We were aware as of February 6, 2020, when the defendant uh, pled guilty of approximately 100 victims. We are now aware of an additional 275. To date, despite our efforts, we have only been able to identify 25 victims.
0: And to that end, the Justice Department has even published a list of well over 100 aliases that he used from 2012 to 2017. And it sounds like the goal there is that they're trying to find and assist any other victims that might be out there.
1: Yes, in fact, one of the um, one of the victims that testified during the sentencing hearing was only recently identified by federal authorities. Um, they are number one. They want to reach out to these people and no doubt try to gather any additional criminal information the federal government is, the federal, the FBI and other federal authorities are usually very tight-lipped about what they're doing and what the, what their goals are. Uh, I don't think it would be surprising or out of the question that if they identified enough additional victims and had their cooperation that they take another case against him to court. That's, that's, I don't think that's out of the question and put him away certainly for the rest of his life. But they have reached out and said, yes, there's, there's, they believe there's quite a few people out there. We talked about, you know, one of the things that they're concerned about is that the torment that these young women went through doesn't go away with a guilty verdict and a prison sentence. As, as victim three testified, I will take the psychological damage to my grave. Mm. These were, these were women who, Without going into the details, uh, you can only imagine what they uh, what they went through. When, the, when they would be out somewhere and check their cell phone and realize that he was communicating with them, and they knew that he had to get right back to him, otherwise the pain that he inflicted on them, the fear he inflicted on them, would be much worse than giving up whatever they were doing and answering his call.
0: You've shared some of the testimony you heard from these victims at this sentencing hearing. And and that's what I, I want to end on is, is what these young victims who had the courage to confront this man in court had to say. Were there any other statements or quotes that that stuck out to you?
1: Sitting in a courtroom like this, it was almost difficult to keep up with the quotes because there were just so many. I can't believe that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but victim 11, uh stuck out. She was a little older than some of the victims who were there. And she talked about the first time she interacted with Hernandez. From that day on, I lived in fear. I begged and cried to make him stop. And she was a tough individual. And she said, you know, he he looked, I assume, over, she looked over I assume, at him directly and asked, why did you tear down little girls? And then she delivered a, a, a personal message and she, she she told Hernandez, you did not ruin me. You made me a strong woman. And uh, that, that stuck with me, that uh, she bent
0: under the torment and the torture, but she didn't break. We'll end on that. Rich Van Wyck with WTHR in Indianapolis, thank you for sharing the story with us. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Daily Crime. We're here every day Monday through Friday, so make sure you're subscribed or following the show on whatever podcast app you use. If you're looking for more after that, Will and I also co-host a weekly podcast called True Crime Chronicles, where we dig a little deeper into a single case each week. You can find it by searching for True Crime Chronicles wherever you're listening to this right now. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reid Redmond.